Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association, a podcast about woodworking from folk who woodwork. Woodworking is what we do, who we are, and what we like to talk about. So join us as we have a drink, sit around, and talk woodworking. Hi, and welcome to the 326th episode of the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast. I'm Kyle Barton, and I'm here with my co-host, Sean Wisniewski, and today we're asking Jason Thigpen the five questions. So welcome back to the show, Jason. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me again. Oh, not a problem. So first off, how did you get into woodworking? I know you answered this a little bit in our previous episode, but I want a little bit more of um, some uh, details. You said uh, basically uh, it's kind of typical. You bought a house and started uh, doing some remodeling and stuff of that nature. But was there anybody in your family that did woodworking or whatnot? Not woodworking like, you know, what we're considering woodworking um, mm-hmm. per se. But, you know, growing up with my dad, we we're always under the mindset that if, if you could fix something yourself around the house, it's better to try it than to pay somebody else. So right. anytime anything would break or had to be built or fixed or, or whatever the case, um, we would always tackle it ourselves. So. A lot of times that involves some type of a woodworking project, um, whether it's framing up a wall or, you know, building some pins for, for our animals out in the barn or, or whatever. So I'd always kind of dabbled in woodworking, but was more in a carpentry sense, I guess, mm. as I was growing up. Right. And it was when I we bought our house um, in 2008 that the carpentry side of it started turning into more like cabinetry and built-ins. And then from there progressed into actual, you know, finer furniture. Um, and, yeah, I started off with, with power tools because that's just kind of what I knew or what I was right. used to. And uh, then I, I progressed into hand tools and just got sucked into the hand tool world like nothing else. <laughs> and that's kind of where what has led me to where I am today. Um, certainly prefer hand tool use over anything else, um, but power tools most definitely have their place uh, for some applications too. Yeah. But but yeah, starting off just young with my dad and then just as life happened, um I, I got further and further into it. Now now where did you actually grow up at? I know we talked a lot about about your wife's family coming from a yard, but uh where did where did you actually grow up? Um, I grew up uh till I was about eleven years old. We grew up down in South Texas, uh in a small okay. town called Carissa Springs. Um, okay, never heard and of then, it. <laughs> yeah, it, it's small. And um when I was about 11 years old, we moved to Bandera, which is just outside okay. of uh, San Antonio. Have and heard of it's that. The, it's the cowboy capital of the world. Everybody should have heard of it, Kyle. Of course. And, uh, uh, yeah, cowboy capital <laughs> of the world, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, and, and my parents still live in the Bandera area, but that's where I attended high school. And um, okay. after leaving high school there, I went to College Station, to Texas A&M, and yeah, found my way in Menard after a couple of decades. Yeah, well, like I said, you're our favorite Aggie. Uh, <laughs> it's unfortunate that you're an Aggie, but you're our favorite Aggie. Oh, no. Where'd you go, Kyle? <laughs> UT. Oh, okay. All right. That's the prime rivals of it. Yeah. Well, it used to be, damn it. Rivals in what? <laughs> oh. Ooh. See, that's how it all gets started. I mean, started. I'm fairly certain that Michigan could beat y'all in football this year. Well, I'm fairly certain my uh, local high school team could be as in football. Well, y'all are actually ranked uh, in the top I was trying to make a dig at Sean, so I don't know if he caught that or not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sean, did you catch yeah, that? Yeah, that, that, 
No, you text him. You, know, you do your thing. <laughs> yeah, the the Aggies are ranked right now, but I generally find that when we're ranked is when we tend to get in trouble too. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, oh, we can the, hold it up. Hold yeah, this whole so. this whole 2020 thing is kind of crazy. Basketball just started up, and my son even said, "Like, you see the rankings?" I'm like, "None of this makes sense. Rankings don't matter." Yeah, right now it, no I, I, I think and, every every probably championship, even NFL football, whatever, in 2020 needs an asterisk. Absolutely, yeah, 100, percent 100. It's yeah, just sports not. Sports are just so weird right now. It's um, not, I'm glad they're back. Yeah, for sure, but it's it's weird. Oh yeah. yeah, I was, I was, I don't always watch basketball. Man, was I happy to watch basketball this afternoon? You know, mm-hmm. it was just something <laughs> oh, great, to, great to watch. It was weird. I was like, are they pumping in crowd noise? You know, they are. They really are. That's just fake. <laughs> you know, but but it was good to see a little competition. It was weird to see some. You know, the coaches have to wear a mask, but the players don't. You know, you know, you, when you're playing the game, you're not wearing a mask. But if you're on the sideline, you you have to. That that whole like dynamic is just like seriously draw a circle around this, put it put an asterisk above it, and go. This is weird. So yeah. none of it really <laughs> matters. You know, the champion won't be. I mean, they'll win, but they won't be like the real normal champion. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. Well, we'll yeah, see. I agree, and I think Jason will agree that the worst thing that happened to college athletics in Texas was that A and M and UT getting in different uh, different conferences because I mean that rivalry was great. Having them play every year was fantastic, and yeah, it was. What, I, I really missed that because while I was at A and M, we we played them all the time, and of course, all the history of it that was a great thing. Mm-hmm. I wish that when A and M was leaving for the SEC, that they the schools could have got together and coordinated a non-conference yeah. game every season. For, it would have been great for their recruiting because they would that would have been a strong non-conference opponent for for both yeah. schools. Help with the rivalry would have just it would have been good for the state. I think if they would have kept it up. Yeah, it would have been. And little known fact: if um, you look at all the uh, football programs across the nation, A and M actually has the best facilities of anybody. Hmm. I mean, better than Michigan, they, they better than Notre. Notre Best Dame. Some money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, can you sit 112,000 people in your stadium, though? I mean, that's something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Nobody can. No. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's, it's constantly the stadium. Uh, I, know. I mean, I'm not, I'm not talking exactly about their stadium facilities, no, uh, which are fabulous. Still... They just rebuilt the stadium. But their actual athletic facilities are just, yeah. uh, I mean, they're better than some pro football teams. From yeah, whatever. that's mm-hmm. yeah. truly impressive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, moving anyway. right along, Sean. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> as we talk about A and M football, yeah, there we go. So and, and this changes all the time. But what is your favorite tool? Man, you're you're right. It does change all the time. And basically, for me, it's whatever tool I happen to be using. Um, <laughs> picking a favorite tool is like picking a favorite kid. I oh, I can't do. Each one has its own qualities that I love. Its own applications where it's perfect. Its own story that I'm drawn to. But I don't have any like one favorite tool out there. Um, it's just impossible to pick. Yeah, and you you mix up what you what you do, you know, you know. So that that makes sense. I mean, there's some things in leather work yeah. that don't necessarily translate. So it truly is a task of the day. What works best for you, kind of situation. Yeah. Now I I know that that answer probably bummed out a lot of people. So I'm just oh, going to sure. go ahead and name it cool anyways. Um, one of my, one of my favorites, one of my first, what I consider like fine vintage antique tools is, uh, 
my Stanley router plane, my number 71. I have a Type 2, which was done in the like late 1870s. Um, it's the pre-depth adjuster version, so it doesn't have any of that fancy stuff on there. It's just a router plane with a blade, and it has the gorgeous font with the filigree and all of that into it. Um, it's a stunning tool that works beautifully, and I got it on eBay. It was like $32. Buy it now with free shipping. Um, <laughs> just one of those things where I fell into the right deal at the right time. Um, I will never get rid of that tool. I absolutely love it. So if I had to pick a favorite, that would be a contender. There you go. That 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 one's similar to what Veritas actually produces, right? I mean, as far as it, it just well, Veritas has of... a depth adjuster, but yeah. oh, that's true. I mean, it's a it's a knurled button, but yeah, you're right. And so there's you take that away, and it's it, yeah. It's but yeah, plans. in terms of function, other than that. Yeah, it's exact. And the all the blades for the Veritas ones are designed to fit the vintage Stanleys. So oh, I bought blades and used them on it and preserved the original blade um, just for collector's value, basically, um, instead oh, of using go. it. Yeah. Good. Mm, fantastic. Very well, with that, who has influenced you the most in your, well, let's expand that, in your woodworking slash leather crafting? Yeah, it's it's is that, there's is that no like one person crafting or is there a other word for it? Leather crafting or leather working. Um I okay. think both are acceptable. I don't know if there's a industry term that people like to use, but leather work, leather craft, either way. Okay. <clears throat> when it comes to all there's there's so many people that could influence me depending on what it is we're talking about. When it comes to woodworking, um I have to mention Chris Schwartz, um Lost Art Press. Just the amount of stuff I've learned from his research mm-hmm. and from the amount of passion that he puts into all of his projects has been insane. Um, okay. I've gone into so many new projects and new ideas strictly because of something that I learned from him. So he has inspired me and influenced me greatly because of just the amount of stuff he's brought out for us to learn from. Um, okay, when no, it comes note to, to Sean, we need to keep a tally of this because I think Chris Swartz uh, is probably like... Uh, head and shoulders above anybody else, but anyway, <laughs> I'd have to look back. But the, like the, the generic answer of, for people? No, it's not generic, but the number of people that reference him for different reasons of, yeah. of influence or or inspiration, uh, mm-hmm. it, it's been predominant in in the recent months. It really has, um, yeah. and, and and it's it's a testament to what Chris has done to to make. Uh, certain knowledge available to you know to others you know and it it was it was we went on a european tour briefly and and it was oh you know we oh you picked up this uh, anarchist uh workbench or anarchist tool or what was the the one book yeah um, anarchist design book yeah yeah the, the design book and it was like oh this this inspired me reading how he wrote it it told me that i could do that that's such a thing yes. that that empowers, yes. and it really it really does, and and so it's understandable. But no, Kyle, you're absolutely right. Like you know, it, if Chris you know got paid for mentions, whew, <laughs> we'd be broke. <laughs> well, <laughs> because yeah. and he comes up a lot, but that's that's it's absolutely a testament. I mean, in he some probably part, gets he probably already gets paid for mentions because hopefully at least. Every mention we make, he gets a sale. So there you go. You know, and I mean, <laughs> exactly. like, legitimately, you could, you could, you know, weave that that thread to a point where that man is some part of the reason that either of us have actually met each other. 
in person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we all have. Yes. And yeah. it's because that guy was involved. So, yeah, legitimate, legitimately, you know, completely. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. And I think it's He's not only... Down as one of the more influential figures in woodworking in the world. I mean, just... Mm-hmm. It's not... And it's not from, like, pushing his own style or technique. It's from sharing what he has learned about others. Absolutely. And I think that's such an awesome yeah. thing. Yep. And un- unearthing centuries-old things that can still be relevant today. Like, that's mm-hmm. such a huge thing that brought other people in, too. I mean... When I, um, it was before the Winston-Salem WIA, I think the year before we were in Cincinnati, and that's when he had the actual Rubeau book, books, and I got to page through them. That's like, holy crap. Like, this yeah. is 18th century text. Yeah. And it's still usable today, and he reproduced it, and, and like, that, bringing that stuff back to now did wonders for yes. the craft well, for the, not for only, the people involved. Not only that, but his writing style to make it relatable mm-hmm. is the biggest thing that I think he brings. Because um I think you have a bunch of great woodworkers. I don't want to diminish any of them, whether the Teg Freeds or all of those, you know, um uh, woodworkers of the past that have written these these great books and they're absolutely fantastic fabulous and they're great books but a lot of them um read is either you got to be in the space of you know kind of you know little meditation let's get our little (laughs) um yeah (laughs) on and uh and read these books and 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 really get into them or they're more like um cookie cutter books okay here's what you need to do boom 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 and boom 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 so uh, woodworking books kind of went from one avenue to the other. And I think Chris kind of made it more, hey, this is all approachable. And let me give you a little bit of my fart humor and whatnot <laughs> intermixed in here. And let's make this relatable. And this is something you can actually do, you know. <laughs> and uh, it, it's it's fabulous. And I, I think that's what he's absolutely brought to it. So anyway, mm-hmm. well, that's my yeah. Chris Wart's. Uh, dialogue as I stare at my um, bookcase, which is just filled with Lost Art Press books. So anyway, <laughs> oh, very cool. So, uh, what has been your biggest stumbling block in any of your work lately? Man, the the biggest thing for me, and it's something that we still deal with on a daily basis, is just trying to figure out how to efficiently run a business like what we do as it's continually growing and changing. You know, most most businesses have like a set business plan. This is what they sell, this is what they do, and then that that's it. But for us, I'm I'm always trying to add new stuff or, or change up our product lines or tweak this or that. And so things are always evolving. So trying to figure out how to promote it. Um since we do a hundred percent of our promotion through social media, trying to stay on top of the algorithms and how to be active there is a job in and of itself. Um just trying to figure out how to keep this going because there's no real manual for what I do for a living. So we kind of have to wing it almost every day and to take what we learn and apply it to the next day. That's just been our biggest thing. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we've definitely noticed a lot of that, had a lot of issues just in trying to get financing to, to fix our building. Um, when you're looking at loans and, and the amounts that we're looking at, there's all kinds of hoops you got to jump through and, and papers you got to turn in and all these projections you got to fill out. And 
it's it's such a daunting thing to try to figure out on your own or even with the, the limited resources available. So just the business side of it, trying to figure out how to keep that going while still trying to remain creative outside in the shop as I make stuff. That, that's been our biggest struggle. And it's something I feel like at some point we should hire like a business manager so somebody can tell me what to do. Because when I'm trying to tell myself what to do, I struggle. <laughs> um, that's just the hardest part, man. You know, the numbers say you need to make more plane hangers. <laughs> I mean, like like Sarah is my biggest one. She'll come out here. I'll be working like like on the Democratic chair. I'll be working on a, a component. She'll be like, hey, you know, I've really got these orders that have to go out. So can you, you know, when are you going to work on those? Or when's this going to happen? This customer's really wanting this to go out and mm-hmm. trying to juggle everything. Because um, I feel like if I'm out in the shop, then technically I'm on the clock. But then there's times I want to work on my own stuff that's not for a customer. So it's trying to balance it all out and, and keep things going and keep the business growing. Um, it's tough. Because every day it changes, and every day something new comes up. Um, and Sarah and I have never done this before, so it's always something new for us. And that's that, um, well, you're doing you know, fantastic, though. You, you are doing great. I mean, it's, yeah. it's risky, and it's it's you know like it's new for you, and that's good on you. You're doing a great job. I appreciate that, guys. It's it's certainly yeah. a lot of fun, and the community um, around us has been so unbelievably supportive. Uh, just like Instagram and all the woodworkers and we get so many positive comments and messages all the time and the feedback we get from our customers uh, when, you know, when they get a product and they send us an email about it, like that kind of stuff keeps us going. Um, knowing that other people are finding value in, in what we do is most certainly like the driving factor behind all of this. Um, it's, it's, it's neat. It's certainly a scary thing to be a part of, but it's also really exciting um, to see all of our ideas come to fruition and find people really buying into our concepts and, 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 treating us like a legit business you know it's it's right. neat okay well i guess technically i have to ask you the last question but um i think we've answered this many times already but uh so how has the internet influenced your work outside of the obvious you know that the internet basically provided the platform for me to create this business um yeah. the internet's opened my eyes as to what's possible out there mm-hmm. as far as what you can make what you can do um, back before the internet was a big thing and I would learn strictly from books or like attending a class or from just personal experience, you're very limited, um, and what you're exposed to. But with the internet, if you just spend some quality time searching and, and researching, you, you can learn so much and, and see so many new things that you might have never been exposed to. So just the fact that it has helped expose me to so many new things mm-hmm. has been the biggest influence, um, in my work for sure. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of new people like, uh, you know, you actually teaching in Greg Pennington's workshop. I'm sure you you and Greg, you know, talked a lot about, hey, how do I do this class thing? You know, what do I need to do? You know, <laughs> oh, like yeah. every every night after the students yeah. would leave, we'd hang out for a while and just talk. And I'd, I'd pick his brain. He's taught classes for so long. Yeah. Um, so asking him, you know, tips and tricks and, you know, what do you think? And how did I do on my first day? And, you know, I. I Having somebody like that to, to bounce stuff off of was just huge for somebody in my position. So, yeah, definitely that's that's great. But if I didn't have that experience, the Internet's really the only other way I could get out there and find out stuff like that. Right. And and you wouldn't know Greg without the Internet. So No doubt about it. Yeah, no, I, I never would have thought that I'd be teaching a leatherworking class in Greg Pennington's Windsor Chair workshop. I mean, that's that's just crazy. If he would have told me yeah, five years is. ago, I'd be doing I wouldn't have believed it. You know, it's yeah, the Internet's done some really neat things for us. 
Exactly. Awesome. Well, so with that, so uh, so uh, where can folks find you on the interwebs, Jason? Uh, you can find me. Um, my social media is all done through my Instagram, and that is at TXHeritage. And if you want to look on our website for uh, any kind of products and classes that we have going on, you can find that at www.txheritage.net. And Sean, what about yourself? I'm found pretty much everywhere at SeanW78. How about you, Kyle? And you can always find me at Barton.Kyle on Instagram. And with that, that just about wraps it up for this show. So if you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. While you're there, please leave us a review. Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. The best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.